It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. Talk LP Podcast time. It's Amber Bradley, your host. We are stoked that you've joined us for our special guest, Mike Combs, Director of Asset Protection, Organized Retail Crime, and Central Investigations Team for, as you can tell, the Home Depot. What's up, Mike? Hey, Amber. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So really excited to talk to you today. Um, you have had, you're definitely a veteran in the industry, not to call us old. We are not old. We are seasoned veterans in the industry. You on the practitioner side. So if people don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background in loss prevention, kind of where you came from and uh, how you got into it. Well, I'm Embarrassingly, Amber, 30 years of, in the industry, so that is that is old, but that's okay. <laughs> Experience is also a good word. Um, my current role at Home Depot um, it has me leading a, a world-class team of organized retail crime investigators scattered around the country, but also a centralized investigative uh, team um, at the corporate office that specializes in internal fraud. Um, and those are the two main functions of the team that I currently oversee. I've been doing that for about four years. Um, the 10 years previous, I led the supply chain asset protection team and the transformation we were going through at Home Depot. Um, and so overall, about 15 years at Home Depot. Um, prior to that, um, I was director of loss prevention at AutoZone, um, a world-class auto parts company based in Memphis, Tennessee. Had a great uh, run there with some really, really fabulous leaders and, and entrepreneurs. And uh, I, I spent... Uh, six years with AutoZone and prior to that, um, right out of college, I got uh, into the uh, Federated Department Store chain um, in asset protection and loss prevention and worked eight years um, working in all different roles from store um, loss prevention to supply chain to um, corporate roles and regional roles. That eventually merged in with Macy's. Um, as everybody knows, um, most of my time was built on the Federated Department Store uh, chain. And um, I come from a family of, uh, my dad was a municipal judge in my hometown and his dad was a judge um, as well in, in Ohio. So I'm from the Ohio area, north of Cincinnati, and that's kind of the family background. So that's really interesting. And so you didn't follow in the footsteps of the judge, but still in kind of the whole criminal investigations, which is pretty neat. So no, no judge, judge ship. I should say very carefully in your future. No, in fact, um, I actually was scheduled to go to law school, but I had a year between um, grad school. I finished grad school and I had a year before I got into law school. I went ahead and started working with Lazarus Department Stores in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I fell in love with Retail AP. Um, it, it not only you know the the investigations and the and the police side of it, but also the leadership development that. They were really good at training young leaders and how to be, um, it's almost like an MBA program they put us through. Um, so it was really interesting that the grooming and the growth I got there. And I think I just fell in love with it. I've been doing it for 30 years. That's so funny because you hear that story is so similar. It's that something gets in your blood with this industry and you can't get it out and you don't want to. All right. So this is interesting. So how many people would you say you're managing both from a corporate and disparate all over the country? 
Yeah, right now it's just under 110. I have um, three senior managers. Um, I have nine managers and the rest are all either ORC investigators or like I said, central investigators. We do have a small analytics um, group led by Denver Culpepper and he has uh, four senior analysts that um, kind of help us with the analysis side and, and you know, pumping out um, forensics um, that lead to cases. So overall, um, just under 110. Okay, so that's a lot, that's a ton, especially working on such complex things, right? When you think about investigations and all the moving parts within those. Of course, this wasn't on your prep sheet. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, of course, Amber, but I'm curious, that kind of goes into the leadership philosophy piece is like, how do you manage? And if anyone's listened to this, they already know I'm a terrible manager of people. I suck at it, clearly. It's a skill set. It is a gift that you have to develop within yourself and among many years of experience. What do you say is some of the key things of being a successful leader of both a disparate team and there in the corporate space? That's a great question. Um, it's actually one that we talk about a lot on the team. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to have a feedback loop so that you're, you're constantly talking to your team and the people that are on the ground and make sure that what you think is the truth and what the changing dynamics are with the business that you're in tune with that um, is also it gives them the feeling that they're part of the decision making and part of the strategy i think that's very key um, and i've been, i've done that throughout my life um, and also um, not being afraid to have people on the team that are a lot smarter than you um, and a lot quicker um, we have a, just an amazing team uh, in my group, many of which could go lead their own loss prevention or asset protection groups in other companies. I really believe that. And um, the fact that we interact together so well and also are part of the strategic um, dynamics that we have in the in group, I think speak to why we're so good. But you've got to be okay with that. You can't be um, you know, nervous that you've got such great people on your team. And some of those people are going to get promoted out of the team pretty quickly and go do other great things for Home Depot. And that's okay. That's part of the design. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But I think that's the key is the feedback loop. And then also making sure that you have just an amazing um, group of people around you. So talk to me a little bit about the feedback loop. And I know, you know, I don't, I like getting a little bit in the details sometimes, just because I think that's helpful for the audience is, can you describe that, I mean, it's often a little daunting, right? Because people don't want to hear bad things, right? So when you're, tell me a little bit about how that works within your team. Well, we really leverage the formal feedback loops that we have uh, within the company, uh, whether they be surveys that we do on an annual basis. Um, but we also do tons of, the typical one, you're walking, you're doing a field walk. And part of that field walk is not only looking at the business and the performance, but it's also carving out time to do a town hall with the group of people that you're walking with. And you kick out the leaders and you just talk to them about how are things going? What can we do different? What would we do better? Um, you know, get their opinions on where we're missing on the business case or they need more resources. Um, I do a lot of coffee chats as well, virtually, um, where we randomly, whether they're high potential people on the team or whether they're um, samples of the entire team where we do coffee chats or uh, lunch and learns, or we just do quick um, huddles with the team virtually so that we, we have access to each other. Um, and honestly, 
Um, not only do you get good vibes from the team from that, but I learned so much from that, um, from what I hear from them, that it, it allows me to look at the business differently. Man, those are some, okay. If you're driving, you may want to pause it until you get somewhere you can write that down because those are really good. I think that you make a point about kicking out the, the leadership part. And the, I talk a little bit about why that's important because I think it's quite, it's a little obvious, right? And the fact that people will feel more comfortable giving you their feedback if they don't feel like, oh man, I can't say that in front of him or her. Yeah, I think you do it in a couple different ways. You do it in the group setting. Um, and obviously they, they feel more comfortable talking without their leaders in the room. Um, and you also do it in smaller settings in case someone is afraid to even do that because there's other people in the room that they don't want to talk in front of. So that's where the coffee chats or the one-on-one -on -one meetings that you have that are just randomly set up will help. Um, a lot of it um, formally comes out of the survey process we do at Home Depot and then we can kind of dive into the results and say, wow, this this development topic sure is um, looking bad in our results and people are concerned that they're not seeing as much um, improvement in that area. And what can we do as a leadership team to drive some more synergies around that topic? And we spend time doing that. Yeah, this is all some, some great stuff here. So talk a little bit about, you know, um, professional development, right? And I'm sure you guys cover that in your teams. And you talked about having some of the people in your team getting promoted quickly out. And, and that really speaks to you as a leader that is developing your people enough to where people want to come get them from your team and put them in other great places for the Home Depot. But what, what do you feel like is your advice in sitting kind of in your director level chair for such a, a large organization on the professional development side? Well, from, from my chair and from the lens I use as leader um, at, of the team, I look at it a couple of different ways. I got to make sure that we're using the tools available that a great company like Home Depot provides. We have so many tools that help people develop and get to where they want to get. So having accountability around, hey, are all the leaders using those tools to do that? That's, that's step one. Step two is something I've learned um, throughout my career is um, development means something different to everybody. Um, and the two things that I, I kind of try to identify really early on when I'm trying to help leaders um, in their development or their team's development, is it a development of their, their talent, the development of their, the, that individual's uh, talent, or is it really more about where they want to go in their career? Is it more about a career path? Because those are two different things. Um, and a lot of times you'll find that someone is really trying to advance their career more so than improve their development on a certain area. And, and, and that's okay, by the way, that's great. That's a different set of um, steps that you need to take. For instance, if it's more about career pathing, someone's already got a lot of the talent they need to go do great things. It's all about visibility and connecting them to the, the right people and networking. And um, those can really yield fast, fast results. If it's more the development side, then, then it's, it's about you know, identifying, um, again, what are the things you're trying to develop and all the different techniques that you can get there, whether it be external to the company or things that the company offers, and then setting up routine feedback loops on how you're doing. We have a great mentor program um, at the company, and that's really, really highly utilized. So everybody's assigned a mentor that wants to develop themselves, and they kind of they help keep that path moving forward. Okay, this is fascinating, because honestly, it is very rare that you find someone that's going to talk differently 
than what you've heard about professional development. But with what you said is very interesting because you're talking about two, and I'm mirroring back what you're saying because it was, it was like really cool talking about two different aspects, right? People might think professional development is, oh, well, you need to go get your certification. You need to do this and this. And, you know, that's one element. But if the person you're saying, it's not always about continuing education. When you talk about professional development, it could be where do they want to go? Like moving their career in a certain direction, which is a totally different objective. Yeah. And that's a really easy conversation at Home Depot because we have such a strong history and our values support people moving all different uh, places in the company. Whether you start out as a cashier and you're one day leading the stores, but there's a lot of movement in the company. So it, it kind of supports that notion. Um, the other thing is, I think it's really important that um, you, you emphasize that um, if it's about your own development, you, my first thing is be really, really good at the job you're in. And so let's work on things that can get you developed there first. And then let's start talking about where do you want to go in your career? and How do we get you developed for that spot? And some people know that and some people don't. So it's a different path. Um, but I think there's two, two things. One is where am I, what am I doing now? And how do I get really, really good at that role? And let's work on development there. And then where do I want to go in the company? Um, and what can I do to, to get there? No, it's really cool. Um, and what leads us right really into our next question, which I love everyone knows. Everyone's like, oh, I love this question is through your career, you know, everybody's got something they would have said to their younger self. Right. So looking back to your, I don't know, 20, 25 year old self, like what advice would you give that person? I think I, um, if I could have changed a couple of things, I was very, very competitive coming out of a kind of a sporting background. Um, I'm really highly competitive. And I think um, one thing that I learned quickly is that um, you can be competitive and succeed and still be gracious and still be nice, still be respectful, um, still listen to people. And um, as soon as I learned that lesson, you know, after a couple battles with the wrong people, um, I think my career took off as well as my own enjoyment in my job. Um, but I think sometimes we, we're so competitive that we forget that, you know, our, our mission is to serve the company and what we do in AP serves that mission and we've got to connect the dots. And when people all work together, um, it certainly achieves that faster than if we're kind of combating each other, uh, if that makes sense. The other thing um, that I'd like to throw out there is early in my career, um, you know, the metrics that we went after in AP, whether they be apprehensions or whatever, um, the industry was really micromanaging those numbers. Like you had to beat that number the next week. You had to beat it the week after that. You had to beat it versus last year. And sometimes it was without regard for, you know, what it was doing for the company. Were you really bringing a value or were you just trying to hit a metric? And I, I think early in my career, I kind of suffered through that for a couple of years before I finally kind of raised my hand and said, Hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's, let's, let's put a you know return on the investment equation here. And maybe we need to move re more resources to this store um, instead of having everybody have the same resources and everybody trying to catch the same amount of shoplifters. Let's put, let's put more thought behind it. And um, I think I should have probably spoke up earlier in my career on that. Nice. I like that. Um, okay. So which actually goes to our next 
set of my favorites, which is best and worst career advice. So let's start with the worst career advice you ever received. Worst career advice I ever received. Um, oh man, um, I don't know if I have any worst career advice. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you hanging on that one. No worries, no worries. That's that's actually a sign of some really good mentors and people along the way that you can't find any. All right, go with best career advice. The best career advice I ever got. I was in a tough situation. Uh, had a particular boss that was very um, demanding yet struggling in their role. And um, I, I really was having a hard time figuring out how to navigate that as well as I had a big job and I was trying to make sure that I succeeded for the company and for all my team. And I had a, a mentor um, and his name was Mike Lamb. I'm sure you know him really well. And he, I wasn't working with him at the time. So I called him up uh, he, outside of the company I was working in. I asked him, how do I deal with this situation? And he just, he pretty much made it simple and just said, listen, whatever you're going through is going to help you. And I go, what do you mean? He said, it's going to help you on how not to become that leader down the road, but also the way you wish they would navigate is the way you should be navigating when you run into those problems. Um, he also helped me coach them up a little bit, um, but the, just having a realization that I'm going to learn as much in a bad situation than I am in a good situation really was kind of freeing to me and the stress level kind of came down if that makes sense yeah mike's got a great way of boiling things down it's almost like yoda but coherent you know i mean where he's like kind of this where you every he'll he'll give you a we call it the lambisms on his last podcast he was on and it was like you know he's got these sayings that make you go oh Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're wrapping it up here with two last questions. One, so one is advice for solution providers, because I got to tell you, and this is my own like thing that I bring up on every podcast. I think it's Home Depot's bazillion skews. Like it's like, it's mind blowing. And every time I'm in there, I'm like, I don't know how the loss prevention asset protection department even does it like, cause you'll have tiny little things that are so expensive, you know, like that you could just slip into your pocket. It's crazy. So I commend every person on asset protection team at Home Depot just to even deal with that. But I digress. So solution provider advice, right? If they're trying to sell you on a particular service or product, what do you got? I think the biggest thing I look for is someone who's done a little bit of homework and someone that can relate to the, the demands of today. For instance, at Home Depot, um, we've grown the company by $40 billion just in the last two years and doubled the size of the company in the last five or six years. So that that's kind of hard to get your head wrapped around. So if you show up to meet with me and, and my peers and you're thinking about a problem that's been around for 30 years, You've got to kind of have your lens on what's going on now at Home Depot. And that's that's a big change. Um, the other thing is the environment has been changing drastically on the outside, um, whether it's the criminal justice environment, um, you know, all of those things. You've got to kind of have a, a flavor of that in your in your pitch and your proposal. And the ones that do a really good job have done that homework and they come and sit with us and they've got a, a perspective on what the return on investment 
um, at a high dollar, you know, high level standpoint of what it could mean to Home Depot. Um, and I think that's that's one thing that I really, really appreciate, the ones that do it good. The other things that I've appreciated uh, in my time here is the, the, the gentleman or gentle, the lady that will come in and sit with you and say, listen, I want to just talk with you and find out what your pain points are. And um, those kind of sessions, if you can kind of get those scheduled, sometimes yield great things down the road. Um, they may not have something for you now, but they, they're trying to learn from you so that they can go back to the drawing board. And I, I'm okay with that honesty and those kind of conversations as well. But peddling, peddling me things that were around 25 years ago, um, when it doesn't help in this environment, is not going to help. <laughs> you might lose... You might lose that relationship and that phone call with me for another decade. Well, what's interesting is there's a very fine line I, I, I see in my interviews here from the solution provider coming and sitting down with you going, so tell me about your problems, right? That's not the chat that you're talking about. You're talking about a solution provider coming in with some research, done some store visits, done their homework and said, hey, Home Depot might be facing these challenges, X, Y, Z, I could be wrong, tell me about it kind of thing? Absolutely, I love that. And, some, and, and many times they'll have a business case from a fellow retailer or one of my peers on the phone that'll say, Mike, what they're telling you is true. And I just did it and here are my, here are my high level results if they can share them. Those are very impactful meetings. Yeah, that's some great advice. Okay, last thing people may not know about you, and I had to bring this up, <laughs> is you were a pro golfer at a time. Uh, that, that is uh, something on the download usually, but <laughs> not anymore. Yes. Um, from 1990, yeah, um, from 1998 to 2001, um, I was a touring professional golfer. Um, if I was wildly successful, you would have heard of me by now. So that tells you about how great I was. But I was over on the Asian PGA Tour for a couple of years, played in South America, never made it through the ranks of the PGA qualifying process. Uh, I got close one year, but never got through. So I played around the world, mainly on, on other PGA Tours. That's very cool. And also qualifies you as someone that you want on your scramble tournament. If Right. Do you still play? I, I play a lot still. I'm still... Uh, play competitively, um, and you're right. I do get a, do get invited um, to scramble teams a lot. I bet. <laughs> but I'm old, so no one wants an old an old golfer. They want a they want a 25 year old person that hits at 350 yards. I don't know, man. I'll tell you, the short game is what you need because that's the hardest part. <laughs> Good point. That's valid. Mike, thank you so much for joining us in the Talk LP hot seat. You had some fantastic insights today. Um, I just love doing these podcasts because I never know what you executives are going to say. And they're always uh, very, very valuable. So we appreciate your time today. Man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for listening. You can follow us at Let's Talk LP. Don't forget to download the Talk LP news app for the latest breaking headlines in the palm of your hand. All right, Mike, we're signing off, everyone. Thanks so much, guys. We will talk at you soon. See ya.